1: Hi, this is Cal Ripken, Jr., and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter.
2: The ML Sports Platter is back with you all over the major platforms. Please do download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review. We are brought to you by Liverpool Physical Therapy. Make sure you visit liverpoolphysicaltherapy.com. Pete and Mike doing a great job. Remember, no doctor prescription is necessary for the first 10 physical therapy visits. In New York State, Liverpool Physical Therapy, a proud MLSP sponsor. Tip of the cap, thank you as well to the Vince Garrett Consulting Group, Heather Saxton at Hunt Real Estate, and our great, great friend, Brian Comboy of Mass Mutual New York State. Tax efficient retirement planning today with Brian. Go ahead and visit him online at advisors.massmutual.com. That's advisors.massmutual.com on LinkedIn, on Facebook. Go get him. Set up your financial future today with Brian Conboy. Super excited to talk to the general manager of Bayheim's Army. He is doing unbelievable things, by the way, as well as a sports media agent for CAA Sports. He's on Twitter at Kevin Belby. Kevin, welcome aboard. It's been a while here, man. Uh, Congrats on another upcoming year uh, for Bayheim's Army. It's going to be a a good year, a great roster, and and some fun games, bud. How are you? I am very well. How are you, Mike? I'm doing, I'm doing fine. Uh, Bayheim's Army is back. We're ready to rock. I uh, recently talked to Ryan Blackwell. Uh, obviously, the social media is uh, pinging and going nuts. Uh, what, do you, what do you have here? Uh, kind of give an intro. The roster is, is almost set, I know, as we record this. But uh, pretty exciting uh, who's on it this year. And the schedule will be great. The games will be great. And I know you're pumped up.
0: Yeah, look, as, as somebody like I am or you, will, you are, uh, big Syracuse basketball fans, to me, like, this is something very special. You know, it's not it's not the same as a, as a Final Four, I get it, but I think that this is a, an opportunity for players and fans to relive the glory days. I'm a Jersey Shore guy, so Bruce Springsteen glory days, right? Nothing like that. Yeah. And, you know, to go and see Eric Dievendorf mm-hmm. 15, you know, almost 15 years later after leaving school, actually I guess it's like 12, but, you know, and still wear orange, still represent – the community represent what Syracuse basketball is about and be at the top of a two, three zone. I mean, what can be better than that? And I've had a lot of fun doing this. The guys have had a lot of fun. The fan interest has been there from day one. And that's why we continue to do it. If people didn't care, you know, I don't think that we'd have the motivation to do this, but you know, I think that this year it's a little different for us. Uh, I always say we have a lot of fun playing in this thing, but we're not playing for fun. Right. Um, this is different than college basketball where guys can be paid. There's a million dollars on the line. Winner take all. Second yeah. place gets zero dollars. So, right. you know, we've had a ton of success. We had the third most wins in tournament history. I think we have the, the, the best fan base, the best brand, and um, I think a lot of other alumni teams have copied what we've done. But we haven't won the championship, and that's our sole focus this summer. Nothing else. It's, it's to win that title for the first time, get these guys some money, and make some memories. And I really believe that we have the team to do it. Um, so as long as we do what we need to do, I don't really
2: care who we play, where we play. Uh, we just have to get it done. So how did the name come about, Beheim's Army? Was that you? Did you create that?
0: You know, that was something that... Um, Tried to be a little creative on back in the day. At first, I thought it would be cool if we were the Orangemen. and um, I, you know, it, it's something that still resonated with Q's fans. And that it, that name itself is almost a throwback because it's not used anymore. Uh, unfortunately, had to pick something else because the university still legally owns that name. Uh, so just try to get creative. And look, this was also the time. This is twenty fifteen believe it or not, you know, it's been a while, somehow this is the seventh summer we're doing this, but back then, you know, Bayheim had, had just had his wins taken away, and the, you know, the NCAA sanctions were happening, and you know, there was, um, I think a lot of former players wanted to show their support for Bayheim in a way, and you know, a, a friend of mine actually came up with the name, and um, a good friend of mine, and you know, I, I just love that because, automatically, you hear that name. You know, it's not Smith's Army, Bayheim. I mean, you could be anywhere in the country. You know what Bayheim is. You know that Syracuse is associated with it. And I know that this is kind of dorky. Uh, I don't think a lot of people know this, but kind of similarly, I'm a big Harry Potter fan. And you know, there's there's a there's a uh, in one of the books towards the end. There's almost the equivalent of NCAA sanctions on a. Uh, uh, Professor Dumbledore, and, uh, the, you know, his students come, come around him in support and rally and call themselves Dumbledore's Army. So uh, that was kind of the origin of all of it and just thought it would be a great way to pay tribute to our coach. I mean, there's – I think it's – it's I think Bayhive is incredibly underrated in my opinion, <clears throat> and, you know, you can have uh, Pascal Chukwu on this team – and Eric Diemendorf, I mean, guys who, you know, uh, are, are over a decade apart, you know, uh, you can have a Ryan Blackwell on the coaching staff who's two decades apart from Pascal. And at the same time, they have something, they have a unique thread in common, uh, which is that they've had the same coach, right? And you can... You go back decades uh, and say that same thing. No other program has something so unique that ties guys from the last 40-plus years together. Um, So it just kind of seemed like the perfect fit. And, you know, I know Coach and Julie, it's funny sometimes they'll come to our practices and he gets a laugh out of, you know, maybe this guy causing a turnover, this guy not being back in – defensive position just like they used to do back in the day and he just kind of laughs one I think for nostalgia and two he's like well that's not my problem anymore so uh you know he, he texts me after every game he loves it he's super dialed in and uh you know it's been a fun way to pay tribute to him because without him these guys wouldn't know each other like they're all of their lives have changed
2: because of coach Behan. Chatting with Kevin Belby, the uh, the general manager of Beheim's Army, you can get him on Twitter at Kevin Belby, Doing a great thing uh, as well on a daily basis as a sports media agent. Kevin, I I, I notice on the uh, on the roster here on Twitter, Beheim's Army. I, I went you know searching uh, the other day, kind of dove in to see who's on. I see a, a name, assistant coach Sean Belby. Is that a is that is is that a, uh, a direct uh, relation here somehow?
0: That is a direct relationship okay. somehow. Just like Bayheim, not the most common name out there. So, Sean, he uh, he played at Syracuse from 2015 to 2020. Um, it helped us a lot on the staff last year with a lot of scouting, a lot of video work, and uh, helping run through practice plans. But this yeah, is God. a
2: brother or? Younger brother? Yeah, younger, younger brother, brother. right. So, okay. Yeah,
0: so obviously I was a manager okay. for the team,
2: and Sean yep. was a walk on and then earned a scholarship okay, good. on that. 2016 Final Four team, and uh, he's been working in basketball, skill development, cool. the last
0: uh, year since graduating. He was a senior, uh, the only senior on the team last year, you know, with, with that ended in uh, COVID, which was a bummer. I was down in Greensboro with him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's, he's fired up, and he's going to bring a lot of value to us from a skill development, from a video perspective. Um, we just wanted to make sure that we have, you know, everything that we need, a full staff, and I mean, early, the first couple of years of this tournament, some teams would show up without a coach, I mean, and without practicing. We pride ourselves on being more prepared than the other teams. It's hard to be prepared for this tournament. You know, if you think about Syracuse basketball, they have summer workouts, then they're on campus in August, like other students, August, September, October. You might not have your first game till the end of October, beginning of November. That's a lot of time for guys to gel and develop. You know, we have at most five days, right? Um, and winning six games in a row is so hard to do. So we just try to do everything we can to make sure that these guys are supported around them, that we have the right staff in place to, to get this done. All
2: right, final thing for you. There's a couple of guys on the roster, Tyler Lydon and Malachi Richardson. You get shades of 2015-16, and the typical thing with Syracuse in the bubble and, you know, sweating it out on Sundays, they get in, and then all of a sudden – bang, something happens, right? Like the zone, nobody's seen zone. There's an offensive explosion by somebody, Buddy Boeheim, Malachi Richardson, whoever the hell it is. Uh, uh, They they, they win a couple of games, plop, they're in a Sweet 16, or in the case of 12-13 and 15-16, they're in the Final Four. So when you look back at that run with Leiden and Richardson and all the rest, shades of that Final Four run, what comes to mind first? Is Is it the comeback?
0: With that fifteen sixteen team, yeah, yeah, I think I think it's got to be. And I was just actually I was just scrolling through um, something yesterday, and I came across the Leiden uh, Leiden three from the right wing. With, oh yeah, uh, yeah, with one shoe on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, remember <laughs> I, that? Oh my gosh. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and his block at the oh. end of the game. I mean, so many. Iconic moments. I mean, the Malachi, you know, three point
2: goggles. I mean, it was just. Yes. that was a fun, a fun, a fun team. And then you know, Trevor Cooney is a senior. Mike Benajay. I mean, yeah, those guys could score,
0: and they played together. And um, they were tough. You know, Malachi is tough. Malachi, I think, is a he has a younger. It is a different game in some ways, but like younger D-Dorf in a way. He's a guy who just. He's going to leave it all out there on the court. And that's what we need, Mike. I think that we have our toughest team yet. We need guys who don't care who starts. We don't care who plays the most minutes, right? Because this isn't the NBA. It's not about, hey, the more points you score, the more the bigger contract you're going to get this summer. No, like this is just a six-game tournament where we're either winning a million bucks or we're just wasting our time for a couple weeks and, and walking home with zero. So you know, it's about sacrifices. It's about the fifty balls, um, and we need guys who are competitive. Malachi and Lyon, you know, there's no, you know, it's no, no coincidence those guys go to a Final Four together. Like, they're competitors, and I think also having that chemistry between them, it's gonna be it's gonna be really important for us. So I'm fired up. I'm excited about those guys in particular. I think that they both have a lot to prove and are still both in their prime, 25, 26 years old, they can really show what, what they're all about and what they can do.
2: Well, it's going to be a blast. TheTournament.com for more information, at Bayheim's Army on Twitter. You can follow Kevin Belby, the GM of the squad as well, at Kevin Belby doing some great things in the sports media agent world as well. Kevin, I always love catching up to, with you, man. You're always a terrific interview. Continued success. And, uh, you know, look, any promotional uh, opportunities that, that you might need, just uh, hit me with a text and we'll get it done.
0: Hey, honestly, I always appreciate your interviews. I always think that you ask great questions back
2: in uh, when I'd be in the cell. It uh, meant a lot. And uh, Oh, you was, were in the cell, huh? Okay. Uh, I, was,
0: I was in the cell in the past, okay. and, and I just remember uh, being in there thinking that, I don't remember what they were, but whatever questions you asked me were not the same generic questions that a lot of other people asked me. So uh, I appreciate the effort you put into all of it, and uh, as always, go
2: Orange. The ML Sports Platter is brought to you by our great friends at Stanley Law Offices and Bryant and Stratton College. Let's go to another guest right now. My buddy Jay Sanon. This guy is a Swiss Army knife as a media man. Uh, I'm going to let him explain what he's doing right now. He's doing a ton of writing. Um, he's covered so many sports through the years. He's worked on the social digital side of things for so many time. He and uh, so so long of a time. He and I. Uh, Met back in Albany when we were both working for Town Square Media uh, and kept the relationship going, and he's such a good friend. Uh, He also helps me out on the pinstripepassion.com side of things. Such a talented guy. We're going to get into some NBA playoffs with him, what he's doing now, what he's covering, uh, the gambling world, and and, and a heck of a lot more. It's my main man, Jay Sanon. Jay, how are you, bud?
1: I'm doing great, Mike. I appreciate you having me. And before I forget, happy Father's Day coming up this weekend.
2: Oh my goodness, man. Thank you likewise. Yeah, uh yeah. what a what a what a time. My uh my youngster's uh 18 months at the end of this month, and as you know, there's there's uh, nothing quite like it for a lot of reasons. So it's uh it's a wild time. You uh, I don't know how you do it, man. I don't know how you do it.
1: <laughs> Very carefully. That's how I
2: do it. <laughs> All right, let's get into, I did a little intro kind of telling people, you know, our, our long standing relationship and all the rest, but what are you doing now and where can people find your stuff?
1: Yeah, man, so uh, I cover the sports gambling industry um, actually kind of after, uh, you know, after we had worked together from about 2013 on, that's kind of what I, I've been doing it on a freelance basis, talking about, you know, the legal situation in different states and you know, previewing upcoming events from a better's perspective. And, uh, you know, it's led me to some pretty interesting places. It's led me to places like Deadspin, USA Today, a bunch of places like that. Right now, you can find the majority of my work at a wonderful website called ussportsbonus.com. And what we do there is we tell you, you know, in states where it's legal, where you can find the best promotions, get you a little added value in the sports betting market. And we give you some advice as far as what to bet on when you get there.
2: Are you surprised at all, in any which way, that, that the sports gambling has, has skyrocketed like this? I am and I'm not. Um, I, you know, I think
1: that once the dam kind of first broke and some states like New Jersey and Pennsylvania came to market, that other states kind of were faced with a choice. Either we were going to miss out on the tax revenue that legal sports gambling can provide, or we're going to get on board. Yeah. And right now, you know, we've seen a lot of States say, look, we're not going to sacrifice that revenue. We've seen some States take kind of a combined approach, you know, like New York, for example, you have to go in person upstate, which is leaving a lot of money on the table, but it is still bringing in something. And then you have some States that have been set in their ways and have said, listen, we want nothing to do with this. So I think that I am and I'm not, I guess, to answer your question.
2: Well, if you were to take away, I mean, look, the NFL is king. We know that. But it's king for a lot of reasons, right? Like, people love football, okay. You know, the gambling. Um, it's a great TV sport. People go in person, but I think it's the best TV sport out there. Uh, there, there, there are a lot of re- The buildup of the league, you know, they've expanded to the different markets. The, the, the popularity of the players. On and on it goes. There's a lot of reasons why we all love the NFL. Fantasy sports. Which is kind of a direct connection to gambling in a way. What if you were to take away gambling specifically? What would the NFL's popularity look like? Um, I mean, I don't think that it would go away. You know, I don't think that I don't think
1: that the TV audience would go away or anything like that. I just don't think that you'd have the same connection to a lot of these guys. Like you, like you wouldn't care about line play or anything like that. I don't think if it wasn't for the gambling industry, I think it'd be a more casual relationship, right? It'd be even more about the stars than it is now, whereas, you know, you have people betting on these NFL games, they at least have to, in theory, know about
2: some of these guys beyond the surface level. Jay Sannon, my man, a uh, longtime media man and a gambling expert sports-wise uh, here on the ML Sports Platter. Um, what's the future look like of sports gambling?
1: I think it's only going to get bigger as far as the states that are involved. I mean, New York is finally on the path to getting online sports betting up and running, which means the New York City market is finally going to be able to get involved without those betters having to go into New Jersey to do it legally. Um, I think that we're going to reach a point where there's going to need to be a little bit of regulation as far as the advertising and things like that. I think that's a little irresponsible right now. Um, You know, you hear every single commercial you hear about sports gambling is talking about things like parlays and things that are just mathematically not good bets. I think eventually you're going to see some more responsible regulation on that kind of advertising where maybe some disclaimers and things are going to be required. Um, And, you know, I think that it's exciting, though, because with that regulation is going to come a smarter group of betters, and you're going to get better information out there to the customers. And uh, I think it's only going to get bigger and higher quality from
2: here, which is good. U.S. Sports Bonus, by the way. You can check out the website Jay mentioned, ussportsbonus.com, and go subscribe to his YouTube page. I just subscribed, Jay, so uh, I'm going to be able to get those into my funnel and check you out uh, quite often. Uh on the video side of things, man, it, it isn't it wild how quickly you know you can just upload and get a video out and boom, even a hundred views, two hundred views. You know you're reaching somebody out there. There's always somebody who wants to find another angle, right? Another, another take, another break, another this another that and everything in between. That's got to be a, a cool part for you working, in, in, you know, on this side of the industry. That hey. Somebody's going to see this and somebody's going to want to hear at least some new thing so that it can obviously benefit them in the long run in, in, in their pockets.
1: Yeah, and I think the coolest thing about it is it really, you can kind of get creative with it. I mean, there's a million different people out there telling you to bet on, you know, for the NBA, for the NFL. But for me, you know, I'm somebody who i followed tennis for many years. Sure. And I think I've I found the most success with tennis videos on YouTube. Because there's just not that market for not only tennis in general, but tennis betting. It's so niche that wow. you know it's it's funny. You know you can get a you can get thousands of views on a big tennis match, whereas it's a lot harder to do that for whatever the biggest game is in the NFL on the upcoming weekend.
2: Jay Sand our guests on the ML Sports Platter. A couple more for you, Jay. You can get them at ussportsbonus.com and make sure that you do check out the YouTube page and subscribe as well. The platform here brought to you by Bryant and Stratton College and Camillus golf club, let's get into a little tennis, and I'll hit, hit you on the NBA and let you run. Novak Djokovic may very well blow the grand slam total out of the water. I mean, Federer's getting up there in age now. I mean, him and Nadal are skipping tournaments to try and save their bodies. Uh, majors, too. I mean, these are grand slams that they're skipping. Uh, Federer starts the French Open and pulls out. Nadal now out of Wimbledon. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. With Djokovic, though, There doesn't seem to be this celebration of him. There's a celebration of Nadal and Federer and all the rest. He may have the most grand slams. He has a better head-to-head against both those guys. He's, I think, younger by a a year or two even of, of Nadal. Jay, why don't people celebrate the Joker?
1: I think it's a couple of things. I think the first thing is that, you know, a lot of people think of tennis and they think of the French open and Wimbledon. They're on kind of those exotic surfaces of playing grass. They're played kind of during a part of the calendar where there isn't as much going on in the world of sports, at least typically. And, you know, the everlasting images of those two tournaments are of course, Nadal winning the French open and Federer running through Wimbledon. Whereas Djokovic is more of an all surface player. He'll beat you on a hard court. And, you know, occasionally, He'll conjure up the greatness on grass and clay as well. So I think that's a part of it. I also think a big part of it is the personalities of these guys. I mean, Federer, he has this polished image. He's, you know, more of the brand ambassador. His hair is always in place and things like that. Uh, you know, Nadal is a guy who at least is pretty cordial in his press and things like that. And then you have Djokovic, who... He can't control his emotions a lot of the time. We saw that ugly incident in the U.S. Open where he kind of fired a ball. It was supposed to hit the wall. It ended up hitting a lines person. He was defaulted from that tournament last year and, you know, just outbursts on the court, yelling at chair umpires, uh, more racket smashes, things like that from him. So I think the likability of Djokovic is a little bit of a harder sell than it is for the other two members of the big three. But as far as the tennis itself, there's no denying that Djokovic is right there with them, if not better than
2: them. Who, who do you have on your on your Mount Rushmore of men's tennis, and who do you have on your Mount Rushmore of women's tennis?
1: So as far as the men's game goes, I mean, I think that the current big three is kind of unassailable, I agree. as far as I'm concerned. Um, and that really kind of becomes a, a contest for the fourth spot, and... I'll be honest, I mean, a lot of those guys are before my time because my entire tennis life from, you know, my teen years to now has just been the big three running through these tournaments. Yeah. Um, I would say, I mean, for me, Pete Sampras, just because growing up as a kid, he was one of those guys that I saw up there with Agassi. You know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend, oh, yes, I know the game of Jimmy Connors as well as some of the real historians of the game. So I would say uh, I would say probably Sampras is my fourth in the men's
2: side. On the women's side, do you have a thought there?
1: I mean, to me, uh, I mean, Sabrina is definitely my number one. I, you know, it's interesting with Sabrina Williams because in the men's game, you know, when you're counting the majors, they look at just the majors during the Open era, which I believe started in 1968. On the women's side, they do kind of some uh, creative math when it comes to the, the major titles where If you look at just the open era, Serena Williams has the most already. But for some reason, they choose not to look at it the same way. They incorporate the majors from before that time to where they're still saying that Serena is chasing Margaret Court, who only won 11 major titles during the open era. Like Serena's blown her away during the era of professional tennis, where the pros and the amateurs have been able to compete these open championships against one another. So it's a little weird to me that they kind of have a not a double standard necessarily, but just the fact that they count them a little bit differently.
2: It's such a great point. I, I got. I think I probably throw Serena, you know, Martina Navratilova, and Steffi Graf to me have got to be on there. Uh, you know, and then again, that fourth one it's always really, really hard to uh, to distinguish. Uh, you know, you might want to go with an impactful player to go with a Billie Jean King with the you know the impact that she had on the game. Um, you know, it's 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 pretty great. I, I think the women's game. You know, I think we need. I think we need a star pretty soon. I mean, I've got we kind of have one in Naomi Osaka, uh, Osaka, but she's been obviously dealing with some personal issues. But I, I think we need a, another star or two. You know, on the men's side, we're going to need one here pretty soon too because these guys are getting a little bit older. Um, how, how much is is star power? Do you think, especially on the American side? You mentioned Sampras. I mean, Sampras, Agassi, Courier, Chang during that era. That was. I mean, they were all Americans. How important is that for the sport to have American stars?
1: I tell you what. First, I'll answer your women's Mount Rushmore question. I'll go with Serena. I'll go with Chrissy Everett. I'll go with Navratilova. Good one. And then I'm going to go a little contrarian with the fourth. I'm going to go with Venus Williams as my fourth. Okay. I guess that's my millennial bias, but you know, she. I mean, she was right up there with Serena for a period of time, so I'm going to put her in there as well. As far as the star power of the sport goes, I think that it's interesting because I think that tennis is going to make the stars in a lot of cases. I mean, once you get down to these major finals, the people participating in them, you're going you know, to remember their names. You're going to pay attention to them once it comes down to it. And once on the men's side, once the big three are out of the game, somebody's got to fill those spots. And it's going to be players like Daniil Medvedev, Dominic Keene, Sasha Zverev, And the guy who I think has the chance to be the biggest star out of all of them is Stefano Sitsipas out of Greece, who, you know, he's got the long flowing hair. He's got kind of the look of a star as it is. And you combine that with his game. I think people are going to learn to love him in the future on the women's side. I think it's a little tougher only because there's a lot more variance in the game of women's tennis. You don't have people cranking out. 140-mile-an-hour serves to bail themselves out of tough situations, which lends itself to more upsets, which makes it harder to consistently win the major titles. But I do think, you know, if you pay attention to the game closely, Osaka, of course, is a star. And then you do have a lot of great players at the top of it, like Simona Halep as well, great on clay. You have a lot of players who are right there. It's just going to be a matter of them winning consistently to determine who the next star is going to be.
2: All right, final one for you. I know you're glued to the NBA playoffs. What do you have for me here? This will air uh, after more games take place, obviously, but just kind of an overall consensus here of what you've seen, what you like, uh, who wins it all. Take it away.
1: I think the most exciting thing about this NBA playoffs is it's so hard to predict who's going to win because you don't have a LeBron-based super team still in it. You don't have Steph Curry with a bunch of stars next to him who you know are going to get to the finals right now. On a game-to-game basis, on a possession-to-possession basis, you don't know who the best player on the floor is going to be. And it's made it super exciting. Um, I mean, you know, we've seen, I wouldn't say we've seen upsets so far, but we've seen surprises throughout each round and series being harder than they necessarily need to be for the top-seeded teams in the tournament. And I think that's good to have for basketball once in a while. You know, it's funny because people complain when it's only LeBron and Curry in the finals, and then they complain when they're not there too. (laughs) Yeah. I don't I don't understand. Well that's our
2: society in general, right? It's like, you know?
1: Right. Yeah, you know, for a decade now we've seen complaints, oh, LeBron's in the finals again. Now he's not there. We got people upset that the Utah Jazz and the Phoenix Suns are contending for a title. It's like, well, which you know, what do you want? I think it's great. I think it's been a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, from a betting perspective, it's been extremely unpredictable. You can't just sit there and say, OK, it's a winner go home game. I'm going to take LeBron. You know, that used to be a really safe bet. Well, this time, it's. do you think Donovan Mitchell is going to be the star? Do you think Paul George is going to overcome his demons? It's You don't know what's going to happen next. And I think it makes for
2: really compelling television. I think it's been one of the best postseasons I can remember. By the way, I got one for you too. An interesting on uh, one on the, the women's Mount Rushmore to, to argue would be Althea Gibson. She'd be an interesting one to throw on there as well, considering that uh, you know she was one of the first black athletes across the color line of international tennis and, and was kind of a pioneer. So she might be she might be a good choice as well. But man, it's it's so it's so tough. That fourth one is always the hardest. Uh, Jay Sanon, unbelievable stuff. USSportsBonus.com. Go check them out. Subscribe to the YouTube page. Gambling expert, sports insider, and more. Jay, great to catch up, pal. Mike, I appreciate you having me. Thank you. The ML Sports Platter is brought to you by Camillus Golf Club. Go play Camillus Golf Club today in and around Central New York and the great state of New York. Golfers travel. Go play Camillus. The place looks great. Uh, I'll tell you what. The greens and the fairways, I'm not sure that I've seen it in better shape uh, in my days there. Uh, it's a shopmaker's course. Stop in, grab a, a, a delicious burger, a wrap, uh, and some drinks after your round as well. Camillus Golf Club, a shopmaker's course. Go ahead and play there. Book a tee time as well at CamillusHillsGolfClub.com. The ML Sports Platter's official golf course of the platform is Camillus Golf Club. A big tip of the cap. Thank you as well to our great friends over at Bryant & Stratton College, Welch & Company Jewelers, and our good buddy, over at State Farm, get a free rate quote today. It's Matt Graham. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Matt Graham, auto, home, life, bank, health, and business. Ask about the recent rate drop as well. Matt Graham of State Farm. I go with him. You should too. Syracuseinsuranceagent.com. Matt Graham of State Farm, the official insurance agent of the ML Sports Platter. Hit me on Twitter at Mike L Sports. Be on the lookout, of course, for my... Nine minute with Mike Lindsley videos and uh, ML Sports takes as well across Facebook and Twitter, YouTube, uh, IGTV and Instagram and TikTok, and of course you can get me at ML Sports Platter on both Instagram, on Facebook as well. Follow along. I throw sports topics out there, post the podcast, etc. So make sure you get me there as well. As I always tell you, enjoy the games. Mm-hmm. Sergeant, what's all this?
0: With all the time I've been home, I put in a Zen garden.
2: What an amazing place to balance your chi!
0: It is, and with a personal loan from PenFed, I was able
1: to borrow the entire cost, up to fifty thousand dollars, at a great low rate with no hidden fees and a simple pre-qualify.
2: But you're not in the military.
1: Everyone gets great rates at PenFed, whether you're in uniform or not.
2: I feel more enlightened already.
1: PenFed Credit Union. Visit penfed.org/loans to receive any advertised product. You must become a member of PenFed, insured by ncoa